Hi, this is Better Read Than Dead. It's a literature podcast from a left perspective. You got three bastard academics in front of you. We're going to spend a couple minutes today talking about what the podcast is, why we're doing it, a little bit about us, and then we're going to talk about Frankenstein at some length um, because we love it. And so today, um, yeah, Tristan, tell us a little bit about your intellectual background. Sure. Um, I got my PhD in English from the University of Chicago in 2015. Um, my research is on uh, British Atlantic literature of the 18th and early 19th centuries. Specifically, I work on imperialism, liberal political theory and empire, uh, and a bit on gender as well. I'm a doctrinaire Marxist with admittedly a lot of obnoxiously bougie tastes. I'm from Delaware, so yeah, I can verify that it actually exists. Um, in addition to nerding out on books, I like to talk about airplanes and boats like a lot. So you guys and, and our listeners, once we have those, can can look forward to that, I'm, I'm very sure. Katie? I can't wait for Boatcast, personally. So I went to grad school with these two. Um, I studied 18th and 19th century American lit, uh, religion and literature and popular fiction, a lot of fun stuff. I taught some classes uh, for goths, which were on stuff like death and dying and witchcraft and possession. I am from the greatest state much better than Delaware. It's New Jersey. Um, yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> no dog in this way. D- debatable. Um, and I am uh, the idiot cousin of the podcast who only has a master's degree. So I am uh, I am AJ Soprano. If you're following the New Jersey, <laughs> the New Jersey analogy. Yeah, but you're about to have two, and one of them will matter. I I can't. Well, yes, I'm about to have an actual uh, degree I can use. I am studying to become a therapist for the only reason that anyone does that they're totally fucking deranged and that's me (laughs) okay i'm megan i got my phd in english also from the university of chicago also in 2015 my work is on 20th century american literature and culture i work on literature and photography critical theory critical race studies i'm a former teen anarchist shithead i'm now sort of uh, mainline socialist feminist, but I'm married to a union member, so I think that makes me count as not awful. Katie thinks I'm super stuck up, but I am Tristan's coolest friend, and so I think that that's something really important for the context. Um, balance I'm, is important. Balance is super important. Um, he's the only. I'm the only person he's ever met who listens to like punk. Wow! Wow, <laughs> uh, wow both of you. We're the best. Um, I'm a member of the Osage Nation of Oklahoma. Um, I would about you being my coolest friend. I would like. To, well, that is absolutely <laughs> true. Uh, that that's that is absolutely true. I would also like to know, just for the record, that uh, the people involved in this podcast represent a sizable portion of my total number of friends. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, you made it way better. Okay. Wait, Tr- Tristy, I'm sorry. Can you say that one more time? You were breaking up, um, and I just want to know that we're your only friends again. Yes, yes, you are my only friends. Yes, that's it. Great. Same here, actually. Um, (laughs) Same here. So we have to make this work. We're going to talk about why we wanted to do this podcast and how it was born. I have wanted to do this for years. Honestly, it's the show that I wanted to listen to but couldn't find. There's lots and lots of good left culture podcasts, but it tends to be mostly pop culture, which is obviously wonderful, but not what I wanted. And then there's this whole other genre, which is book podcasts. They tend to sort of fetishize reading as a superior way of absorbing fun 
information and they think novels are superior and sacred or whatever. And I wanted to talk about books in a way that I like thinking about books, which is funny and weird. And I just didn't want to have it be like two bourgeois women sitting in a room talking about why a given book was problematic. Like if I hear that word ever on the show, I'm going to kill myself. (laughs) Um, that that was problematic. I know. I'm <laughs> sorry. Was, and then the other thing is that I thought gra- when I went to grad school, I thought it would be like a bunch of dickheads in a room talking about books. It's very much not that. So now I can live that dream. I love it. Yeah, Katie, it's your turn. Cool. I wanted to do this podcast because in my in my current life, I don't get to talk about bananas ass novels like Frankenstein. So I wanted to do it. I need friends, folks. So uh so Me too. This is, yeah. <laughs> so, so this is this is what I'm in it for the friendship mostly. Um I I also um so so just just to get a little personal here, I think I feel passionately that there are too many podcasts. And so me recording remotely was my way of just like making sure that this um, doesn't really get off the ground, that we have so many issues with audio, that we have so many fart noises into the mic, that I delete all the recordings, that this this does not happen. I'm I'm sabotaging from the inside. Um, I'm a mole um, in more ways than one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and that's and that's all I have to say about that. Yeah, um, yeah, and I mean I I agree with uh, most of what you you guys said in, in, in different ways. Uh, yeah, I, I mean I think that you know get, getting to read uh, interesting books with with really smart friends uh, outside of a limiting academic contest uh, t- context rather is is um is is it no is is super fun um and not that i don't enjoy having conversations in that mode but um i just I, you know you, you lose a lot of like why you ever wanted to to think about literature in the first place um which which i hope is is kind of something that that our conversations open up you know and as as far as the sort of like political benefit i you know my interest in literature and my sort of interests and uh, for politics, uh, I've always thought of as there's a lot of overlap there. I mean, one of the reasons I I do read is a way of uh, you know finding different ways of thinking about the world, um, you know, different ways of uh, where ideas came from, where they're going, um, and just uh, other ways of imagining what's possible. Um, so yeah, and I and I think I, I think that 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 bringing those two aspects together, um, you know, just just having fun talking about books, but also like how how do they give you um, a way of thinking about about the present moment and where it came from is is something that I, I, I really would like to do here. So the way that the show works is that each week, one of us will talk about the text. All three of us will talk about why we wanted to read it. And then we will have a discussion about what is going on in this work, what its sort of historical legacy has been. Tristan's more of an expert on this particular one, so he's doing our summary. But so, but First, go ahead and tell us, Tristan, why you wanted to read this book. Yeah, definitely. So a, a lot of people, for obvious reasons, I think, uh, read this novel for its engagement with science. Um, and that's totally legit. It, it can definitely be thought of as early science fiction in addition to horror. I tend to read Frankenstein, though, as a novel working through the failure of political revolution. Um, so the 1790s, uh, when when Shelley's radical parents uh, were writing some of their most influential stuff, and I'll, I'll get into a little bit to that uh, in a bit, were a time where British radicals in general were really energized, right? The French Revolution's happening, uh, a monarchy is going to be abolished, slavery is going to be abolished. People are actually starting to think about universal suffrage. 
And then, of course, you have Napoleon. Um, you have the violence happening in Paris, which disturbed a lot of people in Britain across the political spectrum. And you had pretty quickly a massive crackdown on radical thought and publishing in, in Britain uh, by a government that was worried about the revolution coming across the channel. Um, Napoleon's final defeat at Waterloo in 1815 basically marked the end of this revolutionary era, or at least for a time. So monarchies uh, at that point are being reconstituted sort of across the continent. Empires are proliferating. And there was a kind of a return of the Ancien Regime in general. So if you're a bunch of radicals like the Shelleys were, um, you know, pe uh, people who are looking to this new egalitarian world, 1818, which is the year Frankenstein was published, is, is pretty depressing. Um, you know, a, a number of scholars look at this novel as dealing with that in, in some way. You know, you, you have this visionary, Victor Frankenstein, who seems to believe deeply in a potential for radical progress through science, whose creation gets away from him um, and, and who threatens to, to destroy everything he holds dear. And I wanted to read it. Um, be, I mean, I take this novel differently as someone who reads it sort of um, for its pleasures more than its sort of histories. But what I'm interested in is what it's thinking about with respect to um, why he makes something and then it turns out to be not the thing he wants it to be. It's not instrumental in the way he wants it to be. Um, the creation is sort of something like a, a proto-robot, like a he's a an artificial life. And robot, as a word comes from Czech, this is people say this all the time, but it means forced labor. And I think that's important. So the creature is sort of like he's his dissertation, which is a terrifying, sad thought for me. And then <laughs> he's also his property, right? He's his slave. But it turns out that he's actually like a person with feelings and shit. And then he becomes a subject. And that's sort of when the tables get turned. It's a male birth story as well, meaning like what it would be like to have reproduction without women or the feminine. I love those. I think they're really interesting. So it's not that I don't think of it as science -y. I do. It's that I think I'm more interested in things like the body and its technologies. I also love, I'm obsessed with the show Penny Dreadful, and that is by far the best adaptation. So make note and go watch it. All three seasons mm -hmm. are on Netflix. It's wonderful. Yeah. Cool. Noted. So I wanted to read Frankenstein because I just feel like it's very what's happening now. I feel like it's very contemporary. I feel like it's very hip. I feel like it's very with it um, <laughs> because it is about a dad who hates his enormous, disgusting, incel fail son. His, lar his large son, He just fucking hates right? him. Yeah. Yes, he hates – I hate my large son. Yes, <laughs> he hates his large son so very much. The largest um, son. He has the largest son, and he hates him the most. He hates him in proportion to his largeness. I like that it's about dead bodies. That is cool to me. It is also like human centipede, which I <laughs> like. But it's it, but it's like Victor Frankenstein is like if the doctor from Human Centipede like waited until people were already dead to to make the centipede, but he like also got lazy and just decided like fuck the centipede, I'll just make it a person. Um, so I like that. I also like the fact that it it reiterates something, a message, a truth that I hold very dear, which is that STEM is evil and uh, you shouldn't do it. Yes, absolutely. Sure. <laughs> Okay. Um, it also gave me occasion to think about the the head sewing guy, the doctor that sewed the head onto the the other guy, the one to sew the head onto the other guy. Uh, 
like in the news when who wanted to sew a head on this russian doctor like said that he could do a head transplant a couple years ago i don't think it worked um (laughs) (laughs) or we would have heard about it we should have tried just Uh, the brain i feel like that would have been a great place to start Oh, well, pardon me. Maybe you should have been there uh, (laughs) overseeing the operation. Not that kind of doctor. So, Tristan, will you give us some of the sort of context for how this book was born? Yeah, absolutely. And quite quite a quite an origin story it, it has um, one of the one of the more famous ones I think. Oh, um, this is a fucking origin story. I'm done with this show. Okay, well it's been nice. Uh, <laughs> this is fun. Thank you guys. Uh, okay, so so Mary Wollstonecraft Shelley uh, was born Mary Wollstonecraft Godwin in London in 1797, and I mentioned both of those full names uh, are married in birth because uh, they're both pretty freaking weighty. Her mother, Mary Wollstonecraft, is the author of Vindication of the Rights of Woman, um, and really just a towering figure in early feminist or proto-feminist thought. Her father, William Godwin, or I mean, let's be real, Mr. Mary Wollstonecraft, um, was also a prominent radical writer. Um, and, and Mary Shelley seems to have felt that legacy, being the daughter of these two famous radicals intensely. Um, she didn't really know her mother because Wollstonecraft died shortly after giving birth. But Godwin tried to give his daughter Mary Mary, the kind of education that her mother had envisioned for girls and one that would enable her to be a famous and and transgressive, uh, definitely author in her own right. Then as a teenager, uh, Mary Shelley falls in or Mary falls in love with Percy Bysshe Shelley, um, a noted radical of a new general generation who, despite being married at the time and having met Mary while fanboying her father, elopes with her in 1814. Um, and just my personal take on Percy Shelley is, you know, amazing poet, uh, pretty good politics and total shitbag of a person. Um, Two so out of three is not the worst. It's, it's not. I mean, it's hell of a lot better than Wordsworth. So, uh, la- so later they're they're traveling around Europe, um, and in Switzerland they meet Lord Byron, who was in the process of drinking and fucking his way across the continent, as is his wont, uh, uh, as as he was kind of running from scandals back in Britain. Um, and it was there in Switzerland, outside Geneva, that Byron proposed the group all try to write ghost stories as a kind of friendly competition to pass the time. And this is the contest that would would lead to Frankenstein. And she smoked them, right? Did any of them actually write anything besides her? No. Uh, I mean, Byron, I think, tried to write like a vampire story that sucked. Um, Shelley didn't write anything. There's also this other dude whose name I always forget, uh, Polidori, I think, who did write some some like story about a, a woman whose head turns into a skull, which Mary Shelley in her 1831 edition to, to uh, Fra- the, the introduction of the 1831 edition is like, yeah, that was absolute dog shit. Like I don't, it really sucks that that guy was even there. But yeah, and, and so just at, briefly as, as as for the plot, um, I think if, if you're familiar with the Boris Karloff genre of Frankenstein films, um, the novel is both familiar and, and very unfamiliar. Um, so, you know, Victor Frankenstein, um, scion of, of a Republican slash aristocratic Genevan family, a man of science, uh, becomes obsessed with the idea of creating life. So he assembles various body parts from cadavers that he's, he's assembled at all these uh, late night cryptic raids on cemeteries. You do. Yeah, as, as one does. Um, Especially in writing a dissertation. Yes, totally. And, and you know, and he succeeds in his goal. Um, he, he brings this thing to life um, and he's almost immediately repulsed by what he's created. Um, and this is quoting directly from from that, the, the, the it's alive chapter. I had I had worked for nearly two years uh, for the sole purpose of infusing life into an inanimate body, but now that I had finished, the beauty of the dream vanished, and breathless horror and disgust filled my heart. 
So Victor rejects the monster, um, whom we should note is, uh, to me at least, pretty sympathetic for much of the novel. Um, you know, the monster craves acceptance and recognition by humanity and, and is violently rejected at every turn. Um, once the monster learns the story of his creation and who's responsible for his existence, he starts to seek revenge for that rejection. And we should note that contra the nonverbal Karloff version of, of, Fra- of, the, of Frankenstein's monster, the monster is really fucking smart. Um, he, he teaches himself language, writing, um, all while be- being totally ostracized from humanity. And the monster basically makes it his mission to haunt Frankenstein forever. Uh, He kills members of his family, forces Frankenstein to create a female companion for him, which Frankenstein ends up destroying before he finishes. Um, And the end of the novel is about Victor Frankenstein chasing his creation to really the literal ends of the earth. It it ends, weirdly enough, in in the Arctic. Which rules. Yes, totally. Yeah, I mean, the exploratory part of that is kind of nuts. Okay, so we don't... There's lots of stuff we want to talk about today. We want to talk about why Victor is such a shithead to the creation because it's not as the he looks terrifying, but otherwise it's not entirely clear why he's so freaked out by him. What does he smell like? What well <laughs> what mean, does anybody smell like in eighteen eighteen? I mean it's it's not eighteen eighteen, right? He says it's seventeen something, but close, close still, enough. I, yeah. I mean, we don't have germ theory, so um, we want to talk potentially about this Arctic voyage and the sort of framing, right? So we have this epist- we think we're in an epistolary novel, and then all of a sudden we're in this long monologue, first person. Why? What's going on with his science? Because we get all this early stuff where he reads these particular um, scientists, and then he goes to school, and some people think that's great, and then some people think those are garbage. And so we're sort of getting that he has an ideological point of view about science. We're in, we want to talk potentially about like how the power relations get wacky or like how they get flipped. So I think he thinks of him as his slave as his creation. And then they get, then they get turned and more than once then the monster refers to him as my slave. And so that's strange. I'm also interested in why we have this narrator, like why, what it means to have the perpetrator narrate this and not the victim. And I know um, there people talk about this with lots of books, but I every time I read it, I'm more and more sympathetic to the creation and find Victor more and more disgusting. Yeah. And then I know, Katie, you want to talk about this last scene, which is nuts. And I think that we also like because the creation gets the last word, I want to talk about that too. Um, we want to talk about why Victor is so obstinate as a character, right? Like why he um defends his methods so vociferously and then we want to talk about the difference between the 1818 and 1831 editions because one they each take very different points of view on science mm-hmm. um okay so let's talk about the sort of arctic voyage that begins and closes the novel so yeah so it, it starts uh you know not not in switzerland not in some mad scientist castle but in saint petersburg as as this guy robert walton is preparing to he, he's trying to reach the north pole i think uh and he's, he's writing letters to his sister uh that he's you know he, he makes a big to do about like i you know I, I may die heroically before these ever reach you but you know um and, and yeah and he and he meets frankenstein way out in these arctic ice flows uh frankenstein is 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 chasing his monster and 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 yeah like why it's just it's a really weird and and also like that we we come back to that that ship at the end um and it just seems to have so little to do 
with the monster story. Um, but I, I actually think that it does overlap in some really interesting ways. But it's it is it is a strikingly bizarre framing device, I think. And also, like if you're a big yeah. <laughs> If you asked about a given person asks about like does the dog die at the end? He kills a bunch of well, he allows a bunch of dogs to die while he's trying to race them across the Arctic. So spoilers re dead dogs. PETA, don't uh don't read this. No. Um, <laughs> you'll be mad. I I do think it's important to um to to note that the reason why the guy is going to the Arctic is literally for the insane clown posse reason. Fucking magnets, how do they work? Yes, that is right. <laughs> That's why he goes. Said, why why That's why he goes. Why does the compass point north? Yeah, yeah. And and he and he doesn't want to talk to a scientist, right? That's that's, no, you know, who does? Yeah. No one does. But aren't okay. So the question though is like, are they? The, I mean, not the question, but are they the same? Right? Like, isn't Frankenstein just a crazy pants explorer, whatever, who just doesn't under like who doesn't take responsibility for his garbage? Yeah, I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah. He yeah. he is. Although I do, I mean, but I think that raises me again. Like, what? Why does it become garbage? Like, why does he reject it? Like, as soon as his career, you know. Right. But but yeah, he like he 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 definitely is this person who's created this 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 thing um, without any consequence or any thought to consequences beyond the moment at which it's created. Right. But he also, I mean, the way that he's held accountable to it of course, is completely different than what I think of as being the... So we Tristan and I were talking before we were on the air about how um, the the other... The shipmen come to Walton... The seamen. The seamen. Excuse me. Thank you. Um, Tristan will correct all of this later, I'm sure. Re, uh, talking about boats. He, all, the sh- all the seamen come to him and say, look... Yeah, do- they do we're fucked like you got to turn this boat around and frankenstein is like mind your place yeah it's right he, he that he he's essentially learned uh learned absolutely nothing um uh yeah well he also like he becomes a nike commercial he's he's just like he gives this like rousing speech and then he's just like he's like the friday night lights coach <laughs> right. he like convinces you them all and it. then he's like yeah and then he's like just do it and they're like, yeah, we're just going to do it. Right. And then what? But then they don't. Yeah, right. That, I'm thinking of the then the beginning of that next letter from Walton to his sister. Yeah. Which is like JK, JK. That didn't work. Right. Exactly. Yeah. They still want to go home. Yeah. Yeah. But I also there's also that part where uh, Walton is re- is talking about Frankenstein uh, giving the speech and that the other guys are like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. But there's this there's this like shifting eyes moment where they're just kind of like, who the fuck is this guy? Didn't he yeah. make an eight foot tall dude who he's now chasing right. into the Arctic? Right. So yeah. So the pa- so so the passage. Yeah. So like so Frankenstein is basically dying in Walton's cabin. Right when this happened, but but he he musters enough uh, enough uh, strength to say like what what do you mean you know why what why what do you demand of your captain are you that so easily turned from your design. Uh, did you not call this a glorious expedition? And so he, there's this kind of long winded speech about like like yeah like 
get you know get back to it um and right and that the line language just pointed to uh, he spoke uh, this is after that speech he spoke this with a voice so modulated to the different feelings expressed in his speech with an eye so full of lofty design and heroism that you can wonder that these men were moved they looked at one another and were unable to reply um, I spoke I told them to retire and consider of what had been said um, that I would not lead them further north if they strenuously desired the contrary but that I hoped with reflection their courage would return and yeah like you just said they're like yeah no that and, and so like whatever it is that he thinks that that Frankenstein has achieved a terms of inspiring them like no like they're looking at each other because they're like dude shut the fuck up like we're going to fucking die well the thing is also like once he once frankenstein figures out that um they're not gonna go all the way to the arctic he like gets up off of he tries to get up off of his deathbed and is like i'm good fam and then he can't do it <laughs> yeah, like passes yeah. out dies for three hours <laughs> So, so what, I mean, what, how do we sort of like relate that? Cause I, I think that like with the Walton voyage um, and, and Walton sentiments uh, about it are supposed to tell us something or in some way mirror what we've learned about Frankenstein. Um, uh, but I'm not like, yeah. So I, I think I, like, as we talk about other scenes, we might be able to put a finer point on what exactly that is. But I think it goes to like, what is it that Frankenstein and his, um, uh, yeah, j- j- just his story. Like, uh, that. What what is it? His creating the monster and then rejecting the, the mon- rejecting the monster, and the monster turning on him. What is that supposed to tell us about about science or about like the the impulse to 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 create and discover? Um, is it because he does that badly, uh, or or what? You know, what what it, what exactly is that about? Yeah, so I think it may make it may make sense at this point to because we do at some point just have to talk about like the very, very ending and the ridiculousness of it. Um, But I think it may make sense to go back to sort of like Victor Frankenstein's origin story Mm -hmm. and talk about his his orientation toward science, like because he is basically just like an infowars flat earth guy <laughs> yeah, um, for sure for the night for the uh for the 19th century wow right. um oh no 18th century uh and so like yeah he but then he just goes he goes nuts and gets like very horny for science yeah. briefly yeah um and then is sort of like never mind and he gets like sexually obsessed with the dead bodies yeah. But yeah. he also like has this problem where he can be obsessed with dead bodies or he can be obsessed with his family. He only has two modes, right? So he's like work or these people I love. He can't possibly see that this would have a negative effect. Like he just doesn't see those things as related at all. Right. So yeah, so let, so let actually let, why don't we talk about what Frankenstein's family looks like? Right. And his like Katie was saying his mm-hmm. origin story too. Yeah, yeah. I will sort of put in this note which is like I think we have to fundamentally disagree as a matter of principle being like people with degrees with this reading that this is against that this is like a treatise against playing God, which I think right. is how people think of this when they no, read it like in high school. No, definitely. And and I think and I think when you and that's something that we can talk a little bit about, like what she changed in 1831, uh, like kind of as as sensibilities move to a more sort of Victorian and more kind of like explicitly religious in some ways uh, framing like w- what she did with how science is taught uh, is talked about between those two editions. I think that's that is definitely something we can talk about. Right. Okay. So what 
Katie, do you have thoughts about the or his origin story or like how he how he gets for, so turned for science? He does. Well, the thing is, like, he is oh, he's basically just like looking for someone to get excited about all the time. So, like, he he is like very into like like basically bullshit like he's into alchemy and he's like because he just thinks it's sort of like sexy to try to do like do the coolest shit um and that they knew at that time was bullshit i just want to note that that like alchemy is not something people really did in the late 18th century right well his dad yeah yeah like everybody says like funny ass shit to him when um he like says what he's into they're like you you he's like they're like you may as well like like just be sticking your head in a blender like you (laughs) this is garbage this is bullshit um this is the dumbest fucking nonsense in all the land. Yes, his his aged his aged father says, "Do not waste your time upon this. It is sad trash." <laughs> sad trash. That's what it is. Sad trash. Sad trash. I, I get I'm it. I'm gonna read a different line of his father, who says, "My father had taken the pains to explain to me that the principles of Agrippa had been entirely exploded, and that a modern system of science had been introduced, which possessed much greater powers than the ancient, because the powers of the latter were chimerical." So he is saying exactly that, right? Like, kid, you can't just go around telling people that vaccines cause autism. Like, you can't <laughs> just say shit that nobody thinks. Right? It's sad trash. Yeah, and 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 he and so he goes. He he then goes to this uh, this German university where his his professors tell him exactly the same thing. And and he like so I, the way I kind of like read what happens when he's when he's um, at the German university, and I'm curious what you guys think about this, is that he he basically makes the decision like like he he does what his professors tell him to do like he 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 approaches science from this kind of like enlightenment mode of inquiry but i think he probably does retain from the alchemist a very sort of goal oriented version of what that looks like which is that like you know i, I mean like I, I think one one of the the many ways to understand that difference is that you know in alchemy you are you're setting out to create gold from lead. Like you have a definitive goal for why you're doing this stuff that looks vaguely like science. Whereas like the modern scientific method, which is like originating in this era is like, no, I mean, you have a big question. You don't know how to answer but, it. Well, he wants it to be his magic. Yes, that's right. And so he's trying to make like the modern science he's learning, you know, modern and square, scare quote science. He's learning from his professors into the kind of magic that the alchemists were doing. Well, he's like a cocaine guy. Like he's just like he has a great he has a great right right. he has yeah he has a great idea it's definitely gonna work if he just uh if he just stays up for like 125 hours working on it right I mean every all of the problems will disappear so long as he gets the result that he wants right yeah so he's like he is like elbows deep in dead people uh because he's just because he's because he's so excited yeah. Can you imagine? Well, and I, I now I'm sort of thinking about like how his how this magical thinking works, and so we all have different pages. But I'm looking at Volume One, Chapter Three, and he's at the university, and he's again elbows deep, right? So he's been there two years, and he says one of the phenomena which had particular peculiarly attracted my attention was the structure of the human frame, and indeed any animal in, endued with life whence i often ask myself did the principle of life proceed um and then he says unless i had been animated by an almost supernatural enthusiasm 
by application to this study would have been irksome and almost intolerable. So he's like, I'm interested in magic. I don't really give a shit how it could be thought through in a way that or that life itself might be thought through in a way that's sort of technical because tech anything technical bores him to tears. But he's also like, I have a cause. It's like supernatural. This is everything to me. Enlightenment science is garbage. Yeah. This is what I have yeah. to achieve. Mm-hmm. He's into it. Yeah. So how does um, he get out of this? Like, what's the transition for us sort of intellectually that he can get out of this family that's so, I don't like, bucolic? Right. Oh, well, here's my actual, like, legit question. So he, so he's like very excited, does not even care what these dead bodies smell like. He's, he's into <laughs> it. And he, like, before he, he, um, you know, uh, animates the mo- the monster. He is like, I'm so I- I'm thrilled. I look at the monster. I look at my I look at my creation, and like I see that it's like a that it's 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 an eight at least. Yeah. You know, like it <laughs> yeah. looks good. Yeah. That's why it's eight feet tall. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and so he's like, oh, th- this 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 you know this creature is kind of a dime. Like I'm uh, I feel excited about it. And then he like looks at his weird yellow eye, and he's like grossed out beyond repair yeah right and like what so what what is that what is that moment where he like he he knows i mean he knows what the monster looks like he's put it together right right? it's his thing and Mm -hmm. and and it's like the monster hasn't even like got like brains or anything to him yet right he's just he's he's just like he just he just like kind of opens his eyes and he's like oh my god this is the worst thing that's ever happened like what is that like what what happens in that moment that um, he brings it to life well he brings it to life and of course he has to immediately lose interest because he's done the thing that he set out to do okay. and so that he could make a large wet sun is like what this project has been all along and then of course it turns out to have open eyes and personhood and i will strongly suggest that it doesn't have subjectivity yet but it does have something like life and that once it moves on its own he's like fuck that i already did the thing i set out to do um i have two thoughts about this one uh typical man um (laughs) men are trash Uh, victor frankenstein is canceled um (laughs) number two you have to love your uh your big damp boy that you you made out of dead people you just have to you just have to. Well, you have to um, not just like I love one of the qualities that I really like about him is that he does something really bad and then he feels bad about it for 45 minutes and then he's like, I feel like it's not okay. Yeah. Yeah. He is like he's a fuckboy. He's like yeah, Victor yeah. Frankenstein is a fuckboy. Well, he's also like, you know, yeah, yeah, like I've been um I've been in my in my shack like all night. Um I've been torturing animals all night. I've been wetting the bed. I've been like there's jizz and blood on the walls. Like it's just totally fine. <laughs> and then the good guy's eye is yellow and he's like, Ow. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah, um, because he's a person. He's not. He's no longer interested to him because he's interesting to him because he's not his project. Right. Right. That's why you don't. Um. You you don't. Uh. You don't give away the milk for free. To. (laughs) I don't know that saying. Don't you don't buy the cow if you're getting the milk for free. Yes. He lost interest because he got the milk. Got the milk for free. So I I think one way that I I that. What what we're getting at, I think, is a way in which like a political reading of this novel really starts to kind of uh, uh, click for me, which is that um, 
a version of progress that is driven wholly by individual and and I think specifically like masculinist ambition mm-hmm. that that is like that is a dead end or it ends very destructively like I mean if if he was if he were driven to do this out of this kind of like you know idealized like kind of enlightenment like spirit of inquiry where it's not about his personal ambition it's about the question um that would be fine i don't think the book would have any problem with that but it it is that it is that it is so like focused obsessively on this one but like can i do this and then once he does not only does he lose interest in it but he just like wholly reject and can't he deal with it um that like that that i think a model of progress that looks like that is like uh, under critique here um or or the 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 the, the novel suggests that isn't that's nothing like what, you know, like a political, like kind of a progressive revolution would be attempting to accomplish. Well, and it doesn't actually take the the uh, the project itself as being something that deserves extended thought or extended treatment. Like and of course, in this case, it's a person, which is what really exacerbates that question of does shouldn't your experiments actually sort of like take care with your objects to a certain degree, right? Like yeah. because then you're going to introduce them into the public sphere. And that's we in the 18th century is that's when the public sphere is invented. That's when professionalization takes place. And I think that there's a degree to which this is also about like a dearth of accountability among peers, right? Like he can't, he won't be accountable. He doesn't have colleagues. He doesn't, he does this all on his own. No, you're you're supposed to, you know, you get get shit peer reviewed. And he uh, he he won't <laughs> he even tell. Not, yeah, he, it th- is this his is dissertation, not, and he doesn't have a peer this, review. This is not a, this is not yeah. an experiment that is uh, conducted in a double blind sort of. He needs to workshop it. He needs to go to therapy. He needs he to do needs a lot to, of yeah. things. He needs a committee. Well, the funniest- he needs a he needs a he needs a committee. He needs the don't bring dead you know, the double blinds or he needs to workshop it. He needs to go to therapy. He needs he to do a lot of things. He needs a committee. He needs a he needs a he needs a committee. He needs the don't bring dead people don't sew dead people together and bring them to life committee. Um the I, I veto it, um, your proposal. But like, okay, the other funny thing is there's a bunch of scenes in this um in this uh where he's like you know um i i thought a lot about it like i took a lot of time to think about it and what i realize is that um i didn't do anything wrong like that i did nothing wrong that i am like so blameless here it's just like it's it's just like the feeling of like so when i was reading those i just like got the feeling of like okay so you like you open an email from your ex and you think they're gonna be like i'm sorry i was such a dick and they're gonna be like and then it's like no actually like i thought a lot about it and like it's not me it's you (laughs) yeah and i think it's also that quality of like his being sad for 45 minutes and then being like, I feel like now that I've thought about this for 45 minutes, I am not actually the murderer of William or Elizabeth or whoever he thinks, you know, because initially he's like, I can't believe I killed Justine. And then he's like, somehow I managed to like frolic in the flowers, even though I, you well, know, killed her. I mean, I'm sorry. Like with, with the monster's like, I am going to kill everyone, you know, <laughs> And he's like, I, he can't have really meant that. Like, let me just marry Elizabeth. It'll be fine. It I got a gun, he's like, y'all. The monster's like, I will be with you on your wedding night. Like, it, the, the clear subtext, I am going to murder your wife. And he's just like, ah, no, it's fine. Like, I have a gun and a knife. Yeah, like, yeah. I can do anything. He's a good guy with a gun is what he is. He is a good guy with a gun. He, and we need more of those. It, they, they stop the big, giant, giant boys from um 
from doing murders. Yeah. Uh, th- Even though the big like fucking, the giant whole- boy has been shot before and done just fine. I would like to point that out that yes. he's not like <laughs> he's good. Well, he is on, he is on mad roids. Like he is like rock climbing, he's running, he's jumping, he's doing everything and he's also just like he's like he's like daddy you made me the biggest boy. Like you know you can't run you can't run away cuz you made me the biggest yeah. strongest boy. But all, and, like, and also the like, most like, oh, okay. metal. I know I I just like I am obsessed with that, but he you know what is more metal than I'm going to go to the North Pole, build myself a funeral pyre, and then burn myself to death on the axis of the Earth? Right. Which, which is that? That's how that is the that is how the monster. He, the, the, once once Victor dies uh, on board the ship, and the monster realizes he's dead, he's he's over. I, I guess it's remorse. Well, it's sort of remorse, but it's. I mean, it it is remorse, but it's also like. He also doesn't like really fully absolve he uh, either humanity or Frankenstein of this, but he kind of comes to the decision that I can't like basically I I ha- like I, there is no there is no way in which I have incorporated into the world. So yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna burn myself on this pyre. Also, like so as a as an aside, is his second youngest brother still alive? Ernest, yeah, I, right, yes. That poor kid. Uh, I have no idea. Yeah, I know. I guess he got everybody's no, no. money. I mean, good for him. No one gives a fuck about Ernest. No, apparently. Then why is never mind. I know why he's in this book. He's there to get all the money or something. Yeah. No. He's the other unloved, unloved he's son. He's the standard for Mary Shelley. She's like, I got the money. Yeah. Yep. Okay, so so at the at like so we talk we're Megan, you brought up the you brought up the like I'm gonna I'm gonna um burn myself to death at the North Pole so Santa can see. Um <laughs> and but like okay so 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 Victor Frankenstein dies and then his enormous monster like climbs into the window to give a speech yeah. and then he's like oh, well, I got to go light myself on fire jump, bye and then jumps out of the window jumping off a boat like you like what what what's the mecha- what is the mechanics of this are we supposed to understand or is it just supposed to be like like the fucking like friend on Clarissa explains it all who just like sticks a ladder right. in the window and, like climbs it and climbs out right uh, I think of it more like the um, it's not Roadrunner, but those those like uh those Warner Brothers cartoons where you can just sort of go through a wall. Like if you're just if you're like if you get enough of a running start, right? She's yeah. just a huge dude. Yeah. Except that, of course, what we know we don't want. Okay, now I shouldn't have said that because we don't want actually the boat to be full of holes because then they can't make it back to England. Right. And we want we're like, please make it back. Like you listen to your guys. You didn't listen to Frankenstein. Thank goodness. Yeah. Maybe you'll make it home to your wives I, or whatever. I, I, I hope the boat makes it back and maybe not Walton. With Oh yeah, well, if you guys have it, like I'm curious if you guys have a sense of what um the monster is supposed to look like. Yes, because it's on yeah, the top. I wanted to no. know this. Right. Like <laughs> I mean, like Karloff's version, obviously, it can't be that, right? He's enormous right. and he has lank black hair and black lips and yellow eyeballs. And you could clearly not see Penny Dreadful because it's perfect. And you should. How, gro- how gross he is, is he in he, that? He has. Uh, <laughs> okay. He has a gross aspect. No, no, no. He, uh, he, he looks like he's described. He looks like a dead person animated okay like he's 
basically I mean, gray, like he's gray, but he looks gray. like a person. Like he has black hair and stuff. Um, his eyes are yellow, which is really disconcerting, but it's not so disconcerting that it's ter- it's not terrifying. So- that so that's interesting. I, I'm gonna have to go back and and read the description too because I, I, I yes, I, I have not. I, I, There's not anything though. Well, There's not. I yeah, looked for and this. like and well, but that's the thing. Is it like my my sense has always been that the descriptions are, um, you know, there are bits and pieces, but it's it's a bit because like. There's something about it that is that's like indis- inexpressible in language, if that makes sense. That like, mm-hmm. if she were to act, if she were to really try to give like a head to toe full description of what the of the, the monster looks like, then it would lose that you know because like then we could visualize it and then so what it's supposed to represent would not um, it just wouldn't work literarily in the same way. So we get a little because people like shit their britches when they right. see him, right? Like. So do you want do you want to bring yeah so it's volume one chapter four this is all this is all we get so it's important um his limbs were in proportion and i had selected his features as beautiful beautiful great god his yellow skin scarcely covered the work of muscles and arteries beneath his hair was of a lustrous black and flowing his teeth of a pearly whiteness but these luxuriances only formed a more horrid contrast with his watery eyes that seemed almost of the same color as the dun white sockets in which they were set, his shriveled complexion and straight black lips. Um, so, so we get a little, and that's what I mean. Like the TV show does a good job of that, but um, I, it's not, I don't know. He's like, wait, we get to have a wolf man in our, in the, in the Victorian right. period. And, and like that guy can walk around. Right. And, and I guess like, as you were reading that, like, yeah, I mean that it, there, there is a richness of detail there, but I still like, I can't, but I it's can't, not a full picture. Yeah. Like I can't, like, what's I can't that like yet? assemble those in my mind into like, I know what this, this looks like. You right. Know? You get creepy features, but you don't get like a whole picture. You just, the whole, the fullest picture I get is that he's like an enormous bird. Like no one is eight right. feet tall. Right. That, yeah. That, that it's, it, it's, it's like, it's the uncanny. The, the, the point is like the uncanniness of it. Right. And that that's well, the first time we see, well, we is is its own sort of um, question. But like when Walton writes to his sister, he the first time we we see the creation, he says it's a being which had the shape of a man, but apparently of gigantic stature. So there's already this again, the uncanny. Right. So like he looks like a man. He has the shape of that, but he's not quite. That's not what he says. Like he modifies it. Okay. Also, like, here's the other question that I have: Why the fuck did he make him eight feet tall? <laughs> right. So he can be, po- he can be powerful, masterful, <laughs> large, the the biggest man. Who- so he can so climb him like a tree. I don't get it. From fucking limb and go kill Victor's whole fan. Like that was dumb. Right. Yeah. Well, this is the thing: is like, um, I think there actually is something to it being his his son, like yeah, no, because I'm he in says- some way sincere about that. Yeah, because like he's like, oh, he's basically like, oh, I want my son to be like bigger than me, you know? And uh, I don't know if that's a part of it, but he, also we never quite get a good sense of like what he hopes to do with the right. with the creation. So like that's part of it too. Is like, what does he want? What what does he want uh, him to do? Like, what does he dream about for him? Nothing really. Right. He just wants to like. Right. He make wants him to have it. done it because let's remember he has Elizabeth, like who we know is going to be his wife. He has his dad. He has his brothers. He has, I'm only going to refer to him this way. He has his boyfriend, Henry Cavill, and mm-hmm. he has everything he could possibly, like he has 
the Oxbridge education. I know it's not that, but like, why does he need this guy? He just wants to fuck around and yeah. find out. Like that's and, right. And and like as you there, the the why it has to be so big. Uh, it's like Tim Allen's dumbass character on Home Improvement, right? It's like well, more. Pro- it's like, like it is. It is like that. It is. Like I think it's supposed to read as like the dumbest version of like a kind of masculinist outlook right right especially because he continues <laughs> to justify it yeah yeah <laughs> just like he just makes him so big it's just so funny like like if a man were to make another man just make him like just make him like the biggest one you can and like just gross his <laughs> shit like out of dead people you know just he's like making, <laughs> he's making a porn man yeah. He's but he's like doing a very bad. Yeah, he is. He this whole thing is just like this. This whole thing is like once removed from Pornhub. Yeah, yeah, um, but like yeah. he's just like me, a huge dead guy. He's like, and then he's like, I don't know why I don't like my huge dead son, <laughs> my undead son. <laughs> and then he's like, I, I can't, I can't. Then the undead son comes and he's like, well, at least like make me a girlfriend right. then. And he's like, uh, no, you're too gross. Like, this isn't gonna work. And like, and then he's like, what if the monster fucks the fucks the lady? And like, there's little monsters around. Right. Like, what yeah. would I do then? He's also like, what if the lady monster turns out to have a brain, like the like the son? And how catastrophic it would be if she like was a lady monster with a brain too? Because then. What if she doesn't like him? And it's like, motherfucker, this has never crossed your mind before that anyone would have a thought that would bot- that would inconvenience you. Yeah. It's it's called compromise, and he needs to learn to do it. <laughs> yeah, Victor's, he's never gonna do that. I think Victor that like sucked. he does suck, but the, I also think that like uh, I'm gonna just have to say it. I think that the creation's um, view of what a relationship is supposed to do is very problematic. You have to love yourself before you can I love do. somebody else. And, I think um, you should grab the nearest person. Yeah abscond to south america and just live in i'm not sure what he thinks is in south america that he clearly doesn't think there are any people there but just like live in the forest and gaze at each other with your dead dead yellow eyes Mm -hmm. what if what if he what if victor makes that what what if he made the girlfriend like four feet tall (laughs) (laughs) people work it out katie yeah uh, I'm just saying, like, or what if, what if he made her like nine? Like, right, what if he made yeah. her like twelve feet? What if this yeah. is a matter of just yeah. like making the <laughs> human centipede, <laughs> making yeah. larger and larger people? <laughs> and then, do you think it's that it's that thing where, like, in Australia, where they had to introduce snakes to kill the toads, and then you have to introduce like <laughs> yeah. you have to make I, another monster to kill, like, the, last kill the last monster? monster yeah, yes. it's just like one giant Ponzi. Well, yeah, I, I know, I know. It's like I, I Victor honestly lacks ambition because it's like. I, what he should have been thinking to them was like, okay, well, if these monsters like decide to take over the planet, I'm going to make another class of monsters that's going to fight them, that's right? Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's have, let's do Infinity yes, Wars. Yes, exactly. Um, yeah, Victor total total Jode. Well, and just uh, not he is he's not. I again, I don't know why this is bothering me so much this time that I read it, but it's just like he's only mad. Something bad happens, and he's only sad for like yeah his, half an hour. He, yeah, his capacity to forgive himself is 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 uh, is pretty remarkable. Um, He's good self-esteem. He's got good self-esteem. That's what happens to the bourgeoisie. Yeah. Yeah. And and right. And like again, I I I very much suspect that like what we're 
what we're getting at is like, yeah, that's that's how Mary Shelley wrote it. Like that is there is a there is like a class position um, and and a gender position that's that is is uh, is is under critique here. And so his being the narrator ch- ch- doesn't change anything for us. Like we're we still think he's a dick dickhead. Yeah. So how does it? How does a nineteenth century reader encounter him? Dickhead. Still just like full dickhead. It's dickheads all the way down. <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. I mean, so like I do think that readers, um, in, you know, in in eighteen eighteen were were primed for um. Uh, unreliable narrators like okay. I, I think that's the real question like, right i, I mean i I, th- I think that like we at like as modern readers probably are a, you know we have a little bit more uh at our disposal to to figure out what shelley was doing uh be, because i do think this is innovative in a lot of ways but 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 i do know i mean I, I i suspect that people could have it and would have gotten it well in his utter lack i, of I think like how, you, you sort of can't not yeah yeah, I agree. Like, even if you've never encountered an unreliable narrator before, like, you're just like, wow, this guy is a total piece of shit, you know? Yeah, no, I mean, I think you're right. It's just hard for me because I'm such a, I'm field wise, I'm so used to reading stuff after, say, 1890. And so yeah. I'm not always sure about, like, the chronology of the unreliable narrator. I'm not even sure about the I, chronology of first person, frankly. I mean, you know, you know my take on Defoe, which is that like all of his narrators are unreliable. And actually that there's, there's, there is some disagreement about that. But I, I, I think that coming out of the 18th century novel, there, there is a, a rich tradition of, of protagonists and narrators who don't, who you're not just supposed to accept at face value. Totally. And Katie, you're of the same opinion. I am. I really think there's no way to not understand like that this guy is being an asshole and he's just like sucking his own dick the whole time. And I think that because it's to me, it's so clear. And also because the Walton so um, just evidently misses the point of everything at the end, like in this way, it just like sails over his head in this way. That's like very North Pole um, anyway. Like I made a great decision to do this. And so even though everybody (laughs) else is like, you're going to (laughs) die. He's like, no, I'm doing it. He's well, he's also like, uh, he's he's loving the fact that he's um wandering around in furs. That's yeah. like the, one of the first yeah. things we find out about him. He's just like, oh, I I got furs, and like I'm really into this now. I furs, feel good. Sister fucking getting stuck in the ice. Mm-hmm. Listening to listening to crazy it. scientists who are 26 years old dying and don't know what they're talking about. Could uh, could we talk uh, just briefly about the differences for the 1831 edition? Um, well, I hope you can because yeah. Don't well, know so yeah. Stuff. I mean, I'll, I will try my best to, to gloss <laughs> them. Um, and I have to say, I haven't. I I spend a lot more time with the 1818 edition than the 1831 edition. Yeah. So so basically, the story there is that Shelley revised this substantially in in the 1820s. Um, and uh, the the 1831 edition, which for a long time was kind of taken as the the copy text that editors would use, uh, is is just it's it's a different novel. Um, and there are a few uh, there are a few really important changes. One is that the incestuousness of the Frankenstein family is gone. What the uh, fuck? It's That's go- I agree. Essential. Yeah, I agree. Oh, and, and I mean, I think you know what. So it's two yeah, pages it's, long. it's like two pages long. Like Elizabeth is like she, she's she's a fa- she's like a, a like kind of a uh, yeah she has no relationship to the family. Um, one, is he still banging Superman Henry Cavill? Uh, that I think that I think that aspect because there, there's a there's a rich tradition of of latent homoeroticism in Victorian literature. Right. So you know, there, but uh, but she, but yeah, so barely but, latent. But but the incestuousness uh, is gone. I, I think that's really unfortunate because you lose a whole class critique there. Um, but but yeah. that but then the other thing is. 
like how it does with 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 science. Uh, basically, the 1831 edition kind of makes his professors um, at the German university into into the villains um, in a way that they're not. In the, it's much more anti-science. Um, the, the 1831 edition, and it, like one way, uh, so Marilyn Butler, who did the uh, Oxford edition of of the of the 1818 text, um, she said that that uh, basically there's this controversy over. Uh, vitalism, uh, which is a thought about uh, basically the, the debate is like, is is life kind of intrinsic to living matter or does it need like a kind of like God spark to make it happen? And that um, that kind of by 1831, they're like, no, it's just it's part of living matter like that. That was really controversial as we're moving towards kind of a Victorian sense sensibility. So. So, yeah, I mean, so the main thing is that like a lot of people read the 1831 text as very anti-science um, in a way that the 1818 text, I think we've kind of discovered to talk each other today is not um well i take it to be asking i mean tell me if i'm not right about this it's asking really interesting questions about science and yes. about scientific possibility and, but it's not it's anti-hubris yes i mean it, and it thinks science can go wrong right. but it doesn't it doesn't locate that like wrongness in the impulse to do it in the first place right and even this like crazy crazy pants thing he does where he's like let's just stuff a bunch of parts together create a person out of it there is it's not possible within the scope of the novel but he's given all these opportunities to make it relatively okay and this katie is what you're talking about with like compromise a little bit dummy like you could not have nearly so much so high a body count well yeah well he's also just like okay so i so i make this so i make this dead guy and uh i bring him to life and then i don't like him so i leave my place and i'm just like i hope this problem goes away uh <laughs> and then i don't ever have to do anything about it right i mean and then and then like yeah, go ahead no no oh, i ahead. was just thinking about the scene that um it, it it gets really gross in my mind it's not gross in the novel where he's like I'm going to make this lady monster, but I don't. But then he sees he sees the creation through a window and he's like, you know what? I'm going to rip this lady monster that I haven't animated into little tiny limb pieces. Right. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. How Brody, does he do that? He, do, he says destroy. He doesn't. Yeah. There's no detail. I was just like, I don't know. If you think he's never taken a bite out of a dead Long, body, you are. Oh, fooling totally. yourself yourself. No, I mean, this guy. He's, he's no, I mean he, he's he's definitely uh, in necrophiliac. And, like, Absolutely. <laughs> oh, you were saying that like he up and fucks off with this whole eight foot person, and he's like, I'm sad for forty five minutes, and he's just good. like. Well, yeah, he's just like I just I just hope that um I'm never held accountable, that I never have to do anything, that I never have to take any responsibility right. ever, and that just like stuff gets fixed for me. Right. I mean, and that he doesn't even think about like it gets fixed. It just gets fixed by virtue of like my. Do you know who my dad is or magic or whatever? He's not like I bet my professor's going to come around and figure out who this guy is. Right. Well, he's very like he he's not uh. I, I don't know what stage this is for babies, but he's no object permanence. No, he's just right, like, no. oh, if he's gone yeah. and if I'm not no. like yeah. fantasizing about him, then it's not, it doesn't exist. No, totally. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah. Even for the like, so so after he freaks out th about the monster, uh, like that, that he, you know, he when he creates, he's like ah, uh, and he he faints for like four months. His his friend uh, and boyfriend <laughs> uh, Henry Clerval comes and and like you know after you know I'm they still calling him that actor's name because that's how I imagine him in my mind. 
fine. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, they they but they no, they just you know they they like hang out for and it's like yeah everything's great like you know and and then oh it turns out like this something killed your brother turns out it was and then oh well you know it, it, but yeah like almost immediately he gets back to uh, to Geneva and. Uh, you know, very quickly. It's like, okay, well, everything's fine now. But not his dorky looking brother, his cute brother yes. with the dimples and the curly yeah. hair. And he's got to be the cutest little angel baby because yeah. he wouldn't care about his gross brother whose description we never hear about. Right. Ernest, right? He would not care. Ernest. Ernest. Fucking Ernest. There's, th- never hear uh, about like, him. Like, we're, we're all Ernest, we you know? Ernest. Like, all... Uh, it's... I mean, just we Ernest. I don't even, like... Uh, fucking Jesus Christ. Like he's got the brother. He doesn't, he's just the worst. I just, I, I just hate him. He's terrible. I don't know what else yeah. to say. And you know, again, I, you're, you're supposed to, I mean, that's, I think that is a big point of the novel is how terrible yeah. Victor Frankenstein is. Well, this is the sort of like our, all three of our friend um, and critic Amanda Davis, when she teaches it, her students often say like, Oh, I thought Frankenstein was the monster, meaning like right. in the movie yeah. that what they call what we think of as Frankenstein as being the creation. So they say, oh, I think of Frankenstein as the monster. And she goes, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, totally. yeah, Frankenstein yeah. is the monster. Like, that's not the surprise here. It's that's part of what the sort of movies sometimes have a hard time with, I think, is that, you know, he's not the monster. So either watch Penny Dreadful or watch Young Frankenstein mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and all problems will be solved. The monster, the monster you've been, you've been looking, looking for looking. was with you all along. Um, okay, so Katie, I think you have some questions to sort of round out our relatively rambly but still good conversation about Frankenstein. So go ahead. I do. I do. I just I want to ask you some questions that have been that have been really um, plaguing me. And the first one is um, that so uh, you folks know that I feel like this is. Um, 19th century mm-hmm. human centipede, um, less creative, um, <laughs> and so uh, and so <laughs> it's like the be- beta version <laughs> human centipede, um, and wiki- <laughs> it's just less good. Um, and so Wikipedia informs us that um, the producer of Human Centipede, um, when he was approaching his investors prior to filming. He did not mention the mouth to anus aspect of the plot, fearing it would put off potential backers. Okay, I'm not, but like, how would it otherwise be possible? (laughs) Just legs, just a lot of legs. Oh, like people are sort of piggybacking each other, but you all get your own little food source that's not somebody's butt? (laughs) You... You just cut the you cut the head off. You attach, and it's one head and a bunch okay. of other. Uh, I, I mean, I'm 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 okay. I'm picturing this. It. Okay, <laughs> like it's, a regular it's centipede. Too- do you think Megan? Do you think a regular? Do you think a regular centipede is a bunch of little centipedes <laughs> that have their mouths on each other's assholes? <laughs> 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 Maybe science is good after all. <laughs> um, so the question here is that that was a co- that I have more I have more of a comment than a question. Um, that was it. No, um, so, my scientific <laughs> education. Yeah. Uh, so if you folks were making a movie version of Frankenstein, what part would you decline to mention to your wealthy financiers? What part is mouth famous <laughs> to you? I mean, in the in the sort of like, what would they not want to know? Is the like. Shouldn't he be getting these body parts from like, if he's a, let's say, 
I don't know. I'd say something to the effect of like, well, he's a scientist, so he has to do like dissection. So he's getting fresh cadaver bits mm-hmm. and not who the fuck knows where these are coming from. Right. Which we assume is like they're coming yeah. from everywhere. Right. He says charnel houses and um, yeah. and I just, like, I think I would leave out like probably digging people. Up, yeah. Guys. Like, if, yeah. Because if you yeah, have that, it makes his whole like, yeah, that if you actually picture Frankenstein doing that, his whole like, uh, you know, like a uh, bougie man of science thing kind of falls apart. Right? I think I would also avoid that he's marrying his sister cousin. Right. Also, because you definitely want to get right. the, the incest into the movie. And so you don't want to tip your hand about that. Right. Right. Yeah. I, and I so I so this is going to be this is going to be much more boring than that but in that same vein is I would leave out the whole dumbass Arctic expedition void because I would really want to shoot that and I would want to get what? the money to do it no 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 I mean I, w- I would do that part oh, I but see. I wouldn't tell them that part of why they were giving me an extra hundred million dollars was because we we're gonna I was going to build uh, a sailing ship in in the Arctic and film it on location <laughs> I'm gonna need 400 furs yes yeah. and also a green screen yeah for no. ice time mm-hmm. no, no a full no, set no green screen no we're Don't doing worry. this on location this is on location yeah. in the arctic circle yes, yes. oh yeah. shit. i think there's like four pieces of ice up there at this point yeah all so right fine know. true yeah. but like uh yeah we're still because yeah. you want to get dream. it into the movie you, but you don't want to mention it yeah you definitely yeah. do not want to bring up that you're going to the arctic yeah yeah yeah, I mean, I would keep in the, yeah. the just, like, going to charnel houses, but I'd probably say something to the effect of, like, no. Oh, you could even say, like, no, Henry Cavill dies early on, and so we're going to wake up. We're going to, like, reanimate extremely sexy Henry Cavill. Yeah, there you go. That was something I was actually wondering about. I was just, like, when people would die in this, I was just like, well, why don't you reanimate just fucking them? Frankenstein right, right. him back to life? Um, yeah, I, I just, I love the fact that, like, I was so horrified. I think, Megan, you were, too, about the fact that, like, we thought maybe Tristan wasn't going to do, like, the North Pole bullshit for a second. Just, like, my mind went fully blank. But, yeah, I just, like, it just totally lost my mind. I was like, what? what? You can't lose Santa. That's the whole thing. Like, yeah, I would be devastated. Yeah, yeah. No, no okay. you gotta have that. Gotta Thank have God. Gotta Thank have God. that. Gotta have that. Totally, totally. Well, th- I mean, I feel like my curiosity was really satisfied there. Um, so, so, I, <laughs> so I have another question for you. Um, a question that, that Megan has edited, and I'll let you um, give your guess as to what part. So you two are married, not to each other. <laughs> that would be weird. Frankenstein, um, and I'm referring to the Frankenstein monster, uh, much like myself, was unable to sustain a successful relationship. So I would, I was just wondering if you could give him maybe like um, some of your best, best wisdom from, from, you know, being married about romance and, and compromise Wait, and just the creation like, you know, or the doctor just making it, making it work. The doctor, right? No, the creation. The creation. The, oh no, either, uh, yeah. either. Let it, let it go. Let your mind. So I, go yeah. I, I was going to take, it. I will say that I had to add that we're not married to each other. Cause that would be weird. Uh, <laughs> but only because we like each other's spouses. <laughs> um, I I think I'm gonna go with I think I'm gonna go with um with uh with Victor uh to answer this with regards to Victor and what I would say is you know it's all about good communication. <laughs> we fuck up. We, everyone fucks up, right? Like I mean, sometimes you build this mm-hmm. eight foot undead monster and you're like that was a fucking boner move. But if you just own it, you're gonna get in a lot less shit for it, right? It's like True. like and, and and also like yeah. you know I think it goes to other aspect, right? Like that um oh okay so my fiance is gonna put off marrying me for two years because he has to go to the UK on this like romantic erotic trip with his 
friend that it was just like, oh, because he has to create a female monster right. for the monster, then I, I just feel like she would be a lot less threatened Yeah, by that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I think there's all like yeah. the communicative aspect is crucial. I think also that that would help with the wedding night thing when he's like, so about the gun thing like you he would have been a lot better if he brought that up a little earlier and also like what is he such being such a wuss about is that he doesn't want to i mean obviously i recommend in partnerships not beginning sentences with we have to talk right or <laughs> like i have something to tell you um or we should talk when you get home any of those is like you think that the other person has has given you syphilis and you're now in the tertiary stage when usually it's something to the effect of like could you wash your fucking dishes please (laughs) um and so don't yeah don't wait don't wait to say i made a giant monster and i've been spending the last two years trying to make a lady monster yeah exactly exactly and then with the creation i'm gonna just take katie your earlier point which is like sometimes words sometimes we're all better in prose than we are with our voices yep and write people in advance mm-hmm. and be like, look, I look pretty gross. Yeah. But, you know, you got to also like tell them more. <sighs> Explain, t- tell them that they're you're grosser than in fact you are. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah Expecta- exactly. It's an yeah. expectation. Yeah, so just be that's like, right. I'm 11 feet tall. Right. <laughs> and I only have half a face. And. Sure. I have this anti-Semitism problem. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I smell and I like, smell a, dead like a dead guy. <laughs> like, actually, I smell like a lot of dead right. guys sewed together. Like all anyway, the dead guys. Enough about me. Let's talk about you. Together. And um, do you know who my dad is? Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. So I think uh, you should like, yeah, very much manage whoever's expectations that that is. If you're on, if you're Frankenstein's creation tender. totally yes i love it thank you this has been informative and enlightening now you can Um, find now you can like find a partner yeah (laughs) totally this is great advice this is gold (laughs) folks um about that though uh i do want to admit that um in the closet i do have a bunch of dead oh i mean that's Uh, fine a lot of dead guys are they so do you still you still I, want a podcast? Here's the thing, mm-hmm. though. I just need once they become animated for you not to fuck off. Just just be like, I'm gonna help you out, buddy. Yeah. Yeah. We can be friends after that. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. As long as you well, don't. just. I mean, I do see that. Yeah. Th- just abandon them because, you know, suddenly you see the spark of life return, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I don't like it when I see the spark yeah, of life. Like right, fair. Sun. Not, doesn't fair. work for me. Farewell, sir. Yeah. Good luck learning language on your own, which he does. Yeah. He sure does. Smart boy. Um, okay. Uh, my third question is a little game um, that I like to call This is Hegel, actually. And in this game, um, you tell me why what we're reading is not, in fact, what we're reading, but is Hegel, actually. And so you'll get points for telling me why it's actually Hegel. Um, but you'll actually get more points if you pivot to something totally different that only you give a shit about. Because that is that is the spirit of the of the contest. So, um, I mean, unfortunately, I think I'm just going to have to accept the base level points here. Because I do think this is Hegel. Because, I, I mean, I'm going to tie this back to your first question, Katie. The dialectic is human centipede. It just is. I mean, think about it. Thesis, antithesis, <laughs> synthesis. I mean, 
show me where I'm wrong. Show me where I'm wrong. (laughs) That is, you will really need to teach it exactly that way. Yes. Uh, P.S. He's talking about the phenomenology of spirit for anyone who's seeking references on our show. That's the, Right? Yeah, read it. it. It'll be so much fun. You should totally read it. It's it's easy, light beach summer reading. It's like eighty pages. Yeah, it's fucking sweet. Yeah, Georg Wilhelm fucking Hegel. <laughs> um, <laughs> so this is Lacan actually, and that oh. when you make a when you have a person and it's it has the spark of life or however you want to think about it. It doesn't have subjectivity until it comes into the form of language, which is what Agatha and Felix and the old man give to him, which is like the faculty to understand the word of the father because his father fucked off and is not. And so that's how he understands what it is to have a father. He also learns what it is to have a father through the letters that are in his pocket Mm -hmm. which is another moment of language plus he only sees himself as a person once he's mirrored by other people meaning the people who are in the house but also when he sees a reflection and passes out or whatever it is that he Mm -hmm. does i can keep going about lacan although i think that almost everyone has stopped listening (laughs) which is which is the point of the game i mean i just i think i think we're all winners (laughs) here having listened to both of you fucking talk um well i feel like i learned do you think this so what do you think this is hegel actually I I do. I think this is Hegel, actually. Yeah, I I, I do, and I, I refuse to explain any more about that. There you go. It's yeah. It's all Hegel. genius. <laughs> yeah, Just genius right there. Thank okay. You. Thank you for listening to our episode yeah. on Frankenstein. You can find Tristan on Twitter at TJ Schweiger S C H W E I G E R. You can read his work in Modern Philology and 18th Century Studies. You can find Katie on Twitter at Katie Crywo, K-R-Y-W-O. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Tusslersaurus, T-U-S-L-E-R. Uh, you can read my work in the LA Review of Books and American Indian Quarterly and Criticism. And then on the next episode, we're talking about Dracula, which means many, many more dead guys, many more sexy bodies, much more pallor <laughs> and other qualities that we all enjoy um we also very twilight um (laughs) it's it's just gonna be epic uh so we also have the sun also rises coming up and then we have the scarlet letter more and those are more concerned with like weird dick activity which we Mm -hmm. didn't get to much of today which is too bad um you can find the show at better red pod on twitter it's spelled r-e-a-d because it's a pun (laughs) Um, and you can also email us at betterredpodcast at gmail.com but you can only email us if you want to tell us how nice our hair looks Um, (laughs) and yours looks really good too P.S. I like your bangs Um, we're going out on Pete Seeger's The International today courtesy of his estate because those people are great our theme song is Love Bronstein by the Redskins, used with the band's permission, thanks to them. And our logo was created by Jane Bonsack of JB Design and Content. Thanks, Jane. Mm-hmm.